Bruno.
And you're listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there from 1960, Cal Trader with Tumbo. Today in the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with Rest in Peace DJ Fontana, the drummer for many bands, including Elvis Presley, who played in Vancouver in 1957. Today on the Nardware Show, an interview with DJ Fontana. And to prepare you for DJ Fontana, here is a reissue of a recording that Cub from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, did on May the 19th, 1993. They participated in a Brave New Waves session. The radio show Brave New Waves, hosted by Brent Bambury. And Artifacts Records has dug up these recordings and released them on amazing red vinyl with liner notes and pictures you can capture and here, well, you can capture, because it seems like you're back in 1993. You can actually capture the sound of Cub coming from your radio speakers. Specifically, May the 19th, 1993. So we are going to hear right now from Cub, a brand new release from Cub from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And on this recording, Nico Case on drums. Robin Awada on guitar and on bass and vocals, Lisa Marr. We're going to hear a couple tracks from this session. We're going to hear Pretty Pictures, Little Star, and Cast a Shadow. A Daniel Johnson cover. So, here we go. Cub, Brave New Wave Sessions, May the 19th, 19. 93 released now on artifacts records on vinyl here are cub from vancouver british columbia canada
you shine brightly in my sky with me Everybody said I could have it in it for me Waving some nectar 
You're still listening to the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show from 1983. That was The Question with Easy. And that is from a compilation, U.S. 80s Mod Revival, Volume 1, California, from 1983, The Question. And before that, from North London, The Roves with Down By The Parade. Thank you so much, Roves, for sending me that record. I really appreciate it. And you can send records to the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show, Carol, CITR Radio. Or you can also tweet me your records at Nardwar, N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R, or Nardwar at Nardwar.com. And before that, we heard a couple tracks from Cub's recently re-released session from Brave New Waves from May the 19th, 1993, 25 years ago. Cub from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, were live on Brave New Waves, a radio show on the CBC, and they did Cast a Shadow and Little Star, and Pretty Pictures. And I was wrong. Cast a Shadow is actually a Beat Happening cover. Shout out to Calvin, Key Records, Beat Happening. I got confused because Cub also did Tell Me Now, which is a Daniel Johnson cover. Right now, we're going to play, while we prepare for an interview with DJ Fontana, Rest in Peace, Joey Adams from a compilation, The Laugh of the Party, on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio 
Show. City Edition Daily News, America's tabloid newspaper, volume 35, number 39, New York, Chicago, L.A. Everywhere you go, there is one you know. City Edition Daily News, America's tabloid newspaper. Located in the heart of the metropolis, the Daily News brings you all the news that's fit to tint. And on page two, they bring you all the foreign news, like Russia, crazy Russia. You're a goofball, that's what I said. Who are you kidding, you Kremlin? You goofy Kremlin. All you ever want to do is paint the town red with your A-bomb, B-bomb, C-bomb, D-bomb, E-bomb, F-bomb, D-bomb, H-bomb, I-bomb, J-bomb, K-bomb. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. You hear they got three new kinds of bombs. They got the atom bomb, the hydrogen bomb, and now they got the... Where is everybody? Bomb. Then you turn the page and you have all the local news. Last night, Mr. Sarah Johnson's six-month-old baby was rushed to the hospital. It seems he swallowed four live bullets that he found in his father's closet. A hospital report says the baby is doing fine. Just don't point him at anybody. Now, after this, we come to the advertisement and my very favorite ad of all of the perfume ads. They're always selling things like My Sin, Passion Flower, Hot Lips. Nothing for beginners. The Daily News editorial page makes some people purple with rage, makes some people happy and gay. All depends what they've got to say. Letters to the editor. Dear sir, after reading your paper all about the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, I decided what this country needs is a cocktail party. Sure, every four years we all get together and live it up. And we can talk about how high the prices are. And I know all about it because the prices, they live right next door to me, and they're very nice people, but they got a spill in their backyard, and some of the juice seeps into their water well. And well... And also, I think what this country needs is my wife. Honest, she'd make a great congressman. I know she's always bringing new bills into the house. But listen, the way I see it is if we manage to keep our chin up, our shoulder to the wheel, both feet on the ground and our nose to the grindstone, we'll always make out. You can always get a job with the circus. And then, of course, in the center section, they always have a picture of a young girl. She's sitting on the ship's rail. She's an out-of-work actress, and she's looking very pretty. And she says something intelligent like, <laughs> After this, come the cartoon strip. Dick Tracy and his two-way head, smiling Jack, little orphan Annie. Won't you ever change your dress? Then they come to the movie news. Out of Hollywood comes its latest extravaganza, The Life of Mickey Rooney. Another short subject. And now we bring you embarrassing moments, bright sayings, advice to the love lawn, and in the back of the paper, the sporting world. Baseball, football, basketball, swimming, tennis, anyone? I skate, you skate, badminton, good mitten. Once a year, all the athletes get together to have a little party, and they talk about the weather. We can make this little outing if we hurry up and hustle. The admission is free. All you got to bring is muscle. Uh, hello, hello. I'm, I'm very glad you invited me to the party because uh, well, a lot of you kids here probably never seen me fight. But back in the old days, well, I had a strapping physique. And of course, I remember my last fight. Unfortunately, one of the straps broke. But I, it wasn't my fault because before the fight, I kept telling myself, I'm going to win, I'm going to win. But well, I didn't do any good because I know what a liar I am. But the referee, he told me he want a clean fight, didn't want to see no rabbit punches, no kicking, no hitting below the belt, which was unfortunate because there go some of my best shots. And, but I remember distinctly in the fourth round, I brought one up from the floor, which is where I happened to be at the time. And in the next couple of rounds, well, it got pretty messy, and I figured I should weave. But the referee won't let me out of the wing, and so my manager started throwing in so many towels, I got the idea to open the laundry. And I've been very happy ever since, boxing sheets and pillowcases, 
And all I can say to you kids of America who want to take up boxing as a profession, duck. City Edition Daily News, America's Tabloid Newspaper, Volume 35, Number 39, New York, Chicago, L.A. Everywhere you go, there is one you know. City Edition Daily News, America's Tabloid Newspaper, bringing you all the news that fits the tent. And you are still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And do we have a caller on the line? Hello, caller. Are you there? Hello there. Who are you, caller? Who are you? Well, this is Eddie J. This is Crazy Eddie J. And Eddie J, just right now, I played some Joey Adams from 1954 with Daily News. Who was Joey Adams? It's me. You tell us. He was like a comedian, one of those comedian records from 1954, the laugh of the party on Coral Records, Eddie J. What do you know about Coral Records? I've that in my collection. What do you think about that record label? What do you think about 1954? Was there rock and roll in 1954, Eddie J? It certainly was. What happened in 1954? Well, it happened in 1952. A guy uh, named Bill Haley decided that uh, he wanted to add some slap bass to his uh, to his hillbilly sound, actually uh, what they called country swing. And that was uh, that was uh, an elementary form of rock and roll called rockabilly. And right now, you mention that fact about Bill Haley. You've been mentioning Bill Haley for years, haven't you? Well, you know, the man did something, and uh, you know, other people have tried to take away his uh, fame and glory. But uh, I believe that credit uh, should go where it's deserved. And right now, speaking of Bill Haley and Elvis, well, I don't know. Should we include Elvis with Bill Haley? When did Elvis Presley start? When did he start? 1954. So he started in 54. When did DJ Fontana start? That's a good question. Uh, he was uh, he was playing uh, on, uh, I believe, the uh, the Shreveport Jamboree. Uh, I'm not sure uh, how young he was when he started. You must have researched that. Come on, you're the research guy. Well, unfortunately, we're going to play an interview that me and you, Ed, did with DJ Fontana from August the 1st, 2003. Wow. 15 years ago. So it was me and you and DJ Fontana was phoning in to promote Elvis Mania that was happening in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And unfortunately, we only had 12 minutes with DJ Fontana because after 12 minutes, the tape broke. But I thought we would play what is remaining of the tape right now to the listeners. And afterwards, Eddie J, you could possibly fill in what DJ Fontana was going to say. What he was going to say. What he was going to say. Might have said. (laughs) An actual fact, I have the questions that I asked DJ Fontana 15 years ago that got cut off that are no longer preserved 
but I thought you could fill in for DJ Fontana. But rest in peace for DJ Fontana, because he recently passed away. Well, I could try to answer those questions, and yes, uh, rest in peace. Uh, you know, I was uh, channel surfing last night. I was restless, and guess, guess what I came across? A DJ Fontana obit? A DJ Fontana movie. Uh, he was uh, he had his little bit parts in a in a movie called Jailhouse Rock. Is there anybody left from the original Elvis band? I think he was the last to go, wasn't he? That's right. Yes. Yeah. So, Scotty so, Moore a long time ago, and Bill Black as well. So here we go, Ed Lasco. Again, this is Eddie J. Ed Lasco on the phone with me, Nardwar the Human Serviette, about to take a step back to August the 1st, 2003, when DJ Fontana phoned up the Nardwar show. Ed was on the Nardwar show that day, spinning a whole bunch of discs, talking about Bill Haley. And I was on the Nardwar show because I'm Nardwar the Human Serviette, and DJ Fontana phoned in. So here we go from August the 1st. 2003. Now, who are you, DJ Fontana? Who are you? Uh, let me see here. Let me, let me think of something. You know, uh, I started with Elvis on drums, uh, say 1954 to 1968, uh, and did all the records in, in that period of time. I didn't do the 70s thing, so I, I, I left before then. Now, DJ, I also have with me here Ed, who's helped me with the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show, and we were discussing how you possibly were rock and roll's first drummer. Were you the first drummer for rock and roll, or have you had that tag labeled on you at all, DJ? I think I think they put it on me. You know, I, I, I don't know. You know, Bill Haley had some records out, and they had some guys. You know, those guys were probably some of the first rock and rollers, and there's a bunch of guys out of New Orleans that had hit records at the time, and I just kind of contributed to all of those guys, other guys down there, you know? Because Ed, who's here right now, Ed, maybe you want to ask a little bit, DJ, some questions about Bill Haley, because you're a big Haley fan, aren't you, Ed? Well, I guess I am. I'm a, I'm a fan of everybody, really, I like to think. Yeah, um, well, I'm the same way, but, you know, Bill, didn't, he wasn't around very long, that's the problem with him, but I think, he, you know, if he'd have you know, kept going, he'd have been a big, big, big artist. As it was, you know, he had a few records, and he was coming to get up. He was a big artist at the time. Well, I think he started putting out records in about 1948 uh, with a country swing band. And yeah, that's right, yeah. And then he he start, introduced uh, the slap bass into his sound, and uh, the slap bass had only been played by black musicians in... Uh, uh, type of jazz music and right, when he, yeah. and, and when he did that that was the very first rockabilly record well that's what i'm going back to. i'm relating kind of way back to that that know, that was late n- 40s you know early 50s well that was 1952 when he did that and that was a, a tune called uh, rock the joint and when you actually listen to that tune the bass is very loud it's right in your face mm-hmm. You you can't miss it. Well, that's that old rockabilly sound, I guess, you know. Exactly. DJ Fontana, did you ever do any gigs with Bill Haley at all? Did Elvis ever play with Bill Haley? Not that I know of, you know, but, you know, I'm saying not that I know of, and the reason why I'm saying that is because a lot of times we go into a a thing and and do a concert with different artists. We never saw We just go in in time enough to do the show and pack up and we'd leave, you know, so we never seen half of the artists that we worked with. I know I've seen a picture of Elvis and, and Bill together, but I, I don't know that they were playing on a, on a bill together. I, I, I swear I don't remember. Like I said, we do a lot of shows. And we, 
thought our guys, well, I remember one time Brooke Benton was on a show and different ones. We never saw the guys. You know, we hated to say that, but uh, they were on, and as soon as they got to, they were out, you know, and then as soon as we got to, we were out. So uh, you never really got the chance to talk to anybody. DJ Fontana, we do have the chance to speak to you right now, live here on the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show. And if anybody listening would like to phone in, it's 604-822-2487. That's 604-UBC-CITR. If anybody out there has any questions for DJ Fontana, Elvis's drummer, who's here today as part of Elvis Mania, and check on the web, elvismania.ca. That's happening all this weekend. I want to begin by saying, well, we already talked a bit about Bill Haley here, but the last time Ed saw you, DJ Fontana. Ed saw you playing a cardboard box in Vegas, right, Ed? That's right. Yeah, you, oh, yeah, yeah. Do you remember yeah. that, DJ? It was out there doing some kind of promotion, actually. Who were you playing with? Well, no, we, were, we was in like a, a booth, you know, and there's some guys around. And uh, so I just picked up this box and started beating on it, you know. And uh, that was kind of one of those kind of things, you know, just, just that, that something was, to do. I think that was Rocky Burnett singing, wasn't it? Rocky was there, yeah. Paul Burson, yeah, those guys. It was something to do. And we have a caller right now. Caller, are you there? I'm here. Go ahead to DJ Fontana caller. How do you How you doing, Nardwarty? Good. Now, here's a question I have. I was listening yesterday, a couple of days ago, to um, uh, uh, a song from 1956 that the Stones covered, uh, one of their first songs. What were your influences, you know? Like, what were you listening to oh, back, back in 1950? Where are you coming from, from no, there? Well, like, I started earlier than that, actually. And uh, my influence was big band, you know. Okay, like Chick Ebbin. Well, the Dorseys and... and Dorsey, okay. The Stan Kenton bands and stuff like that. That's what I was listening to, those big okay. band guys. You know, I loved them. Wow, that's a, that's a long... That's a stretch to come from yeah, there, to what is, you're yes, doing. it is. And, and, you know? I still play the swing thing, you know, when I play. Got it. But uh, Gosh, I don't play like those guys, you know. Well, thanks so much, caller. Okay. Keep no on rocking. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do the loot do. Yeah, I just want. I'm going Monday. The tokens were the first record I bought with my own money. <laughs> the lion sleeps tonight. Isn't that amazing? Talk to you later. It is. It Bye. Is. Thank you, caller. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nerdwater Human Serviette Radio Show. And we're lucky enough here to have DJ Fontana live. If anybody has any other questions, it's 604-822-2487-UBC-CITR. Now, as the caller mentioned, DJ, you're going to be all weekend here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada at this ElvisMania.ca thing. You do quite a few of these festivals. Like, you do one in Toronto, don't you, in Collingwood, well, Ontario? Well, in Collingwood, which I was at uh, last week, I think. You play that quite a bit. What's yeah, I do that every year, just about. What's it like doing these festivals, and, and what's going to happen this weekend? Will you be performing at all? Or well, I don't know. Just according to who's, who's here and uh, what they want me to do, and I'll, you know, I, I'll try to do what I have to, you know, what I, to make everybody happy. That's what I try to do. But I was in Collingwood last week, and they'll have 75,000, 80,000 people there. And I was in Penticton a few weeks back. They have a, a thing up there, too, so it's, it's kind of spreading out all through Canada. It's really awesome to have you here live in the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show here, DJ Fontana. And speaking of Canada, etc., I know it's a long time ago, but what are your memories of the Vancouver Elvis performance that you played, the Toronto Elvis performance, and Ottawa? Do you have any memories of well, playing uh, Canada? Well, the Toronto thing we did, we weren't there about 20 minutes. 
uh, is that usual that you would only play oh, 20 no, minutes? No, 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 no. no. The, 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 what happened? They, they, you know, the, the stadium was so big, and we were way down the other end, and, and the people could not see, and I don't blame them. So they come running across the grass and everything. They was upset about people being on the grass. Said, "Well, you're gonna have to stop the show. You're gonna do this and do that." Well, as soon as they got to the front of the stage, well, they they just sat down. They were real calm. They wasn't there to hurt anybody, but they were worried about the grass on the field. And uh, so the current crew, Elvis, said, "Elvis, just go out there and sing and and, and don't, don't do any funny moves and get any, you know, cause any problems." You know, he said, "Okay." And uh, they wouldn't let him do it. He kept trying to sing and kind of, you know, they're screaming and hollering. And uh, it looked like it might have got a little bit out of hand, you know. So he left the stage, and he left. We never, he never come back. Well, they, 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 they got up on stage with us, me and Scotty and Bill. And the stage it was a low, low, real low stage. Just they barely pieced it together. And the stage fell over. It looked like there was, you know, a big riot, but it wasn't. So us three got our instruments into the car and just sat there until the, until the end. You know, the crowds went home. And that was in Toronto. Well, uh, no, no, that was in Vancouver. But that was the Vancouver one. Yeah, 1957, I think. And do you remember hanging out with Red Robinson back then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm oh sure I know I've known Red Red since then. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was all over the place. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people, a lot of younger people, may not realize the impact that Red Robinson did. Is the reason Elvis came that you guys came to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada because of Red? More than likely, I guess it was Colonel set all that stuff up. So I'm sure he. He knew who he was talking to when he was talking to all these people, you know. We didn't get it, you know, we didn't have to get involved in that part of it. But we did, you know, meet Red, you know, during the show and after the show and all that stuff, you know. But he was, he's kind of everywhere anyhow. When you guys toured back then, DJ Fontana, how did you and Elvis tour? Were you flying at all? Were you driving in a uh, hearse? What were you doing? We all drove. We drove cars. We only had one car at that time, too. We didn't, uh... No, uh, we didn't, you know, have a lot of cars. Or we didn't have a lot of transportation. We just took one car, and here we, you know, we just went all over the place. Did you have your That's instruments? Why he wouldn't fly, so he'd catch a train if it was a long way. He'd just catch a train and come up, you know. Did you have your instruments with you in the car? In the car, yeah. It was me, uh, Ellis, Scotty Moore, Bill Black, and sometime he'd had Red West with him or whoever the guys he wanted to bring in one car, one, one Cadillac, you know. We'd get in there somehow or another. I don't know how. What sort of drum set were you using back then, and do you still have that drum set? I or still is have that... the set. Yes, I do. It was a Gret set. Uh, it was made up by a guy in Houston, Boxstein Music. He, it was his set of drums. He was a, he was a jazz drummer. And I bought them from him, actually, out of his store. And DJ Fontana, how long did you use that drum set for? All, all along. From, from, from the time... I'll say 55 to, well, 68. I, I quit using it now. I had I got a couple more sets now. And I, I didn't want to abuse, abuse them anymore than, you know, crack something up. So I had them redone a couple of years back. So I got them upstairs in my in my room just sitting there, you know. I don't I don't play them anymore. I'm afraid to. I don't want to hurt them. They're getting pretty old. You know, they're 50 years old. DJ Fontana, I also read that aside from playing with Elvis all those years, you also did a Canadian tour with Gene Vincent. I was with Gene Vincent for about 30 days, sure was. Now, whereabouts did you play in Canada? It was a Canadian tour, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was started out in, 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 in Montana and up and through there. Uh, I don't remember where we were with Gene. It seemed like we was in Regina and Lethbridge, uh, some of those little towns, uh-huh, back then, you know. 
Now, what was it like playing with Gene Vincent versus playing with Elvis Presley? What were the differences? Well, you know, Gene was a good artist. Uh, and at that particular time, he had, you know, his legs, he had a bad leg. So he was just, uh, you couldn't hardly tell he had a bad leg, you know. But he got around pretty good on stage, you know. And uh, he did a good job. He sang good. He, and he, he done what he was supposed to do. He, he was a good entertainer. DJ Fontana, you played on the amazing 68 comeback special with mm-hmm. Elvis. Did you think that there would be anything else after that? Do you think Elvis wanted to do more with the original guys? Oh, well, I don't know. He, well, when they, when, after we did that one, well, they did call. They, they wanted to go back to Vegas. And uh, that, we had to leave town for know, 8 or 10, 12 weeks. And I really didn't want to go back on the road anymore, and Scotty didn't want to go. He had a recording studio, and I kind of just got into the recording field with other people in Nashville. And then the Jordanaires, they couldn't go. They were busy. So that's when we said, well, we just can't go. And so they had to get a whole new bunch, you know. Did, I'm sorry now that we didn't go, but those things happened. Did, El- did Elvis approach you afterwards for anything like that? Like a couple of years later, did he have any desire to reconnect with the old guys? I no, guess- I, no I, would, I would go by the house and see him from time to time and talk about it. And, uh, but, no, he had this, uh, this Las Vegas show going, and then I'd re- I didn't want to do that. I just didn't want to do that. Now, Ed has a question for you. Ed, go ahead. I was just wondering, uh, was Bill Black uh, part of that 1968 comeback? No, Bill had died in 1965 or 66. So he was unavailable. Yeah, well, yeah. Very. Yeah. Uh, uh, he probably would have been there. So, you know, you know, he started, Elvis started doing the movie things, you know, all of them, all in years. Then Bill passed away. We started using a guy named Bob Moore out of Nashville. DJ Fontana, I was wondering, after you left Elvis, what year did you leave Elvis, like, playing with him live? Was that, what year would that have been that you stopped playing with him live? Live? Oh, boy. Just a few years of, mm, trying to think. We went to uh, Hawaii and did a few uh, things uh, when he came out of the Army. And that was, that's the last thing we did live. I'd say 1960, up and through there. At that, then he started doing all the pictures, you know. At that point, well, actually, even when you were doing the pictures with Elvis, how recognizable were you? Were people stopping you on the street, remembering you as Elvis drummer? Were you getting a lot of offers to do stuff? I mean, no, they, they was watching Elvis. They didn't care about the band. <laughs> you know how that goes. From August the 1st, 2003, an interview with DJ Fontana. And we also have on the line Ed Lasco. Ed, what do you think? DJ Fontana, me, you, 2003. I'm just totally amazed. What would you like to add? What would you, what do you remember of that conversation? Um, doing little, actually. Um, actually, uh, get, you know, uh, I was having trouble, um, you know, remembering any part of it. And then, uh, when he, when, uh, you know, he started talking about um, playing on a cardboard box. All of a sudden, that, that came back to me. That was in Vegas with, uh, uh, like he said, there was uh, Billy Bru- uh, Burnett was there, Johnny Burnett's son, and uh, Paul Burleson was there, Johnny's uh, original guitar player. 
uh, all of that came back. That was that was a great uh, little ad lib thing that they were doing there. They were just jamming, and uh, I guess uh, DJ uh, was invited to that. And but of course he didn't have his drum, so he just started beating on a cardboard box and got great sound out of it. By the way. And unfortunately, the interview ended around 12 minutes. The tape did not survive, so we did not get to the end. But we did hear DJ Fontana in the flesh. We heard him speaking, rest in peace. What can you tell the people about DJ Fontana? Well, gosh, um, I, I just don't know what you want there. Uh, I'm, I guess I met him, uh, I, I think it was three times. I met him uh, in Vancouver, and I think that was uh, about, uh, oh, gosh, I think that was 89. Uh, he was with the Sun Rhythm Section, and they were playing the Vancouver um, uh, Folk Festival. And uh, the next year, I went to... Uh, to uh, Memphis uh, for Elvis Week, and I met him again, and um, it was it was the neatest thing for me because when I met him in uh, in Memphis, he remembered me, um, so that that was kind of neat. And then, uh, and then once more uh, meeting him in uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, I don't actually remember uh, meeting him at the. Um, at the uh, Elvis uh, Festival show in in Vancouver in 2003. We mentioned in in that interview DJ Fontana and Eddie Cochran. Did DJ appear on any Cochran recordings? I don't think so. Um, And, and, uh, you know, of course, I've... I'd I'd forgotten all about this, and uh, when when you started uh, mentioning that uh, Gene had uh, gone on a tour um, with uh, DJ as his drummer, that uh, I thought that was just stunning, just amazing. How did you dig up that fact, and where you're an amazing guy? Well, you are. Well, it's DJ Fontana. We have to know. We have to know. And I guess we didn't get. An entire interview with DJ Fontana from the past. We did it in the past, but we didn't translate it till now. But I wanted to ask, or maybe I did ask, did Elvis play drums? Did Elvis play drums? Not as far as I know. Um, of course, he played some uh, some piano, and I've, well, I've even seen him uh, uh, in a in a picture, a photograph holding an accordion, but I don't know that he actually played it. Uh, but I've never seen uh, never seen him sitting down at a drum set. You know, uh, during that interview, you know, he mentions that Gene had a bad leg, and uh, Gene got his bad leg in the car crash that killed Eddie Cochran. And that was in England. That was in England in 1960, yes. Did Bill Black also mention in the interview, I guess you had thought that Bill was alive in 68? Yeah, I wasn't sure when when Bill had passed away, that's right. And Bill was an amazing bassist, wasn't he? Well, uh, you know, Bill was uh, one of the very first uh, uh, bass players to be playing uh, the Fender electric bass. 
course, you know, back in there, in those days when it came out, I think that was uh, sometime in 57, Bill would have been making pretty good money as Elvis's sideman doing all the tours and as well as uh, recording. So uh, when, the, when that uh, Fender bass for first hit the market, Bill was uh, one of the first guys to, uh, to buy one. And what I want to ask DJ Fontana was, did Bill Black talk a lot on stage? Uh, I don't think anybody got to talk a lot on stage. Uh, you know, uh, Elvis was uh, the focal point, and, um, you know, he knew it, and he milked it. Uh, I think maybe from time to time, Elvis would, uh, you know, mention one of the boys, and, and, you know, maybe they'd have a chance to, to get in a few words edgewise. Did the boys record? When did the boys stop recording with Elvis Presley? Well, uh, they, basically they stopped, uh, and I think uh, it was March of '58, uh, just before Elvis uh, started doing his hitch. Um, in that interview, uh, uh, you know, DJ mentions that uh, they played some live shows with Elvis when Elvis got out of the army in 1960. Um, that was that was kind of um, uh, a little amazing, surprising to me because I, I really wasn't sure that uh, that the uh, the original band had got together with with Elvis. In fact, I don't think it would have been the original band because in 1959, um, Bill Blacks uh, started his own combo and he was he had uh, a lot of hits. Uh, playing various instrumentals, starting with Smokey, which uh, was a pretty big hit for him in 59. So I doubt that um, that uh, Bill Black would have been available for that. Did Elvis re-record some of his earlier hits with different fellows? Well, I suppose so, because, uh, you know, uh, a, a lot of that Vegas uh, shows uh, that he did were all recorded uh, and uh, so, yes. But I guess I was thinking before Vegas, did he record between like 58? The Earth, when basically DJ left the band, did Ellis do further recordings of older hits? We recorded them. Um, there's, he did some things in Germany um, uh, with, with a pickup band over there. Uh, I know they did a version of Blue Suede Shoes, I think with an accordion in it, actually. Do you have that? Um, good question. <laughs> I haven't, been, I haven't visited, visited that part of my record collection for a long, long time. Um, I'm, I'm kind of forgetting uh, just, just how vast a collection I've got. And we are speaking yeah, to. I think I've got some of that stuff, actually. Uh, I don't think it's that. I don't think the those uh, German cuts are all that rare. Oh, hold it! Um, I know what I'm thinking of. Um, he did it when uh, he did GI Blues. I think uh, that they recreated some of that stuff. Yeah, I think the actual original recordings, or excuse me, the original uh, jam sessions. I don't think those were ever re- recorded. Now to think about it. And we are speaking to Ed Lasco, who accompanied me 
well, at CITR, when we interviewed DJ Fontana on August the 1st, 2003. And lastly, before the tape cut off in 2003, I was going to ask him, well, actually, I probably did ask him, what did Elvis think of Buddy Holly? Well, but there there is, um, you know, pictures of, of Elvis with Buddy, and Buddy just just really uh, admired Elvis. Buddy uh, had been singing country songs up till uh, uh, Elvis's uh, famous Southern Texas tour. On that same tour, um, a, a guy named Roy Orbison sees him, and uh, also another guy, a cat that saw him at that time was Bob Lumen. And, you know, he just changed all those guys right around. Uh, from uh, singing country and western uh, to uh, this new this new thing, which was rockabilly, and um, yeah, Buddy had met Elvis uh, at least on two occasions, and uh, he, he pretty much just adored uh, Elvis. He sang um, he cut one of the Elvis's songs, "You're So Square, Baby, I Don't Care." Um, I might, I might have done another one, but I think the, that one for sure. And we're speaking to Ed Lasko, winding up here, Ed Lasko, about DJ Fontana, rest in peace. I'm going to cut to now the Elvis tapes, the Elvis tapes as recorded by Red Robinson. What is that record all about? This is actually on Polydor, but it was released originally on Redwood Music. What can you say about the Elvis tapes and Red Robinson? Well, I think it was originally uh, released uh, as a, uh, a promo item, which uh, had a picture of Elvis uh, in Vancouver in uh, in '57. I think that was August of '57, where when the P and E was on, when Elvis had his uh, fancy uh, uh, suit on. At that t- at that point in time, he didn't have the pants to, uh, made to match. So that that kind of dates that a little bit, but um, yeah, there there, there was uh, an excerpt uh, on on clear vinyl riveted to the picture, which is a kind of a neat promotional item and uh, something that um, was done in Canada, and I don't know that it was done anywhere else in the world actually, and that has uh, Elvis uh, being interviewed by. Uh, not only Red Robinson, but uh, other different uh, Vancouver uh, disc jockeys at the time. When did that record come out? And Because this record came out in 1977, and did it come out soon after he appeared in Vancouver? I think it came out about... Um, gee, uh, I really got to think about that. I think it came out... Um, about uh, 1960. That would be a good question to ask Red Robinson. There was a, a further um, uh, item that was a promotional item, and and in this in the same way uh, of the Beatles, uh, with a picture of the Beatles riveted to to an excerpt of a, an interview. And that uh, performance was bootlegged by Jack Cullen. Um. 
I don't think uh, Jack bootlegged that one. He Jack is uh, pretty famous for his bootlegs. Um, Uncle Jack, um, bad boy DJ, who goes all the way back to the 40s. He did, he uh, he did uh, a bootleg performance on uh, on Louis Armstrong, which is uh, just a great thing. Uh, and he put out uh, an LP on that. He he was also very famous for um, for doing a bootleg recording on Peggy Lee when she was uh, performing Fever, and uh, and he was playing it on his show and uh, the record company phoned him up and, and told him you better stop playing that or we're going to sue your pants off, and uh, Jack replied you better have her record that because it's hotter than a pistol. And, and Jack the was... interesting thing uh, about uh, that real early performance is uh, is that she did uh, uh, some some uh, lyrics that didn't make it to the uh, to the actual record when she finally did record it. And I heard Jack play that uh, his bootleg version of the, of, uh, of Fever several times on his show, and once just before uh, he lost his show altogether. And Jack is from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. He certainly was, yeah. How many records did he put out? How many bootlegs, vinyl did he put out, and how many do you have? Um, Well, Jack was a a bootlegger on the side. Um, uh, You would go to his uh, studio and ask for uh, a certain song, and Jack would go in his library, pull it out, and he would make a copy for you right there on the spot and and charge you, you know, $2, $5, whatever the going rate was. I've got got one of Jack Collins' boots, um, uh, pretty early 50s, uh, um, of uh, Mae West actually doing a couple really great numbers. I found a new way to go to town, and Blue Angel, I think, is on the flip. And we're speaking here to Ed Lasco, talking about DJ Fontana, and an interview we did with DJ Fontana on August the 1st, 2003. Of course, DJ Fontana was a drummer for Elvis Presley. And looking at Red's liner notes for this record, I'm going to play right now the Elvis tapes. It says... Elvis Presley is a show business legend. Just about everything he has ever done is of value to collectors. Over the years, I've heard many versions of this interview. I swore that one day I would set the record straight and make available the total interview unedited. That time is now. That that's uh, Red Robinson making that statement. Yes. Right. Oh, can I mention uh, get something in here, Edgeworth? Go ahead. Yeah. Um, uh, DJ said he was with Elvis from '54. Um, you know, when I first met DJ, I guess, like I say, that would have been in '89. Uh, I had him autograph my copy of. Um, Baby Let's Play House, which was Elvis's first record with uh, a drummer. He'd done uh, three the previous three records uh, with just Scotty and Bill backing him up. And I found out later that um, 
DJ was not the drummer on that session. That was uh, kind of uh, chagrined me a little. Who was the drummer on that session? Do you know? Uh, I don't know off off the top of my head, no. But uh, anyway, uh, I think the first two uh, records that that Elvis used a drummer on that were cut for Sun Record Company, by the way, Memphis, Tennessee, um, I think they were... uh, this other fellow. I, I, I think the first uh, record that uh, the DJ recorded on would have been Heartbreak Hotel, which was the first record that came out for RCA. And that would have been late 55. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not calling DJ a liar. I'm just saying that, you know, he was going a long way back, and sometimes the memory flips a little bit. And, and I think you want to tell the people out there about the interview we did with DJ Fontana in 2003. Anything else to add? Well, it's, it's a pity that uh, we don't have the rest of it. Uh, it's, another, uh, it's another feather in Nardwar's cap, I, I think. Even what you got is great. Sorry about the tape breaking. Ah, I'm so angry. But we did preserve it. And thank you for phoning in, Ed. I really appreciate it. And right now, we're going to cut to the Elvis tape. So again, this was a record that came out during, right after its performance and then has been re-released over the years. Yeah. Um, let me just ask you this. Uh, you say the tape broke. Do you, do you still have the tape or did it disintegrate? I think the tape stopped. Like, it just stopped. Like, it was a faulty tape. So, during it was recording the interview and the tape just stopped. Like, in other words, a spool of tape just stopped. It just stopped recording. No. So there's something not, wrong with the machine or is something wrong with the tape? I think there was something wrong with the tape. I put in a faulty tape and it stopped. I didn't know it had stopped. What a pity. And then I started recording again and it was Jerry Schilling on the tape because Jerry Schilling was one of Ellis's Memphis Mafia. Right. I, you notice that in the interview he mentioned Red West, who was um, one of Elvis's pals. In the car with him. Yeah. So right now, here is the Elvis tapes. This is a recording. This is Red Robinson's famous interview. Yeah. By the way, uh, you know, he mentions uh, Red Robinson in that interview, and uh, he says that Red is everywhere. And it reminds me of a conversation I had with Red when Red told me he was on different programs in the United States using uh, a pseudonym. Amazing. I, I, he was all over. And I think he was in Portland, too. And he came back to Canada. And he's... Well, that's right. Yeah. But, but you know, that, that was, um, I guess that was in 59. And they, they were going to draft him. So he got back across the 49th and uh, pretty quick. But yeah, uh, Red uh, was syndicated in the States doing uh, all these shows. And of course, uh, DJ would have also met him because uh, uh, Red was, uh, you know, quite close uh, to to different parties down there. I know uh, some people might remember Gary Olson um, on air with, uh, what was it? Greased hair. Greased hair. Um, 
I remember uh, Gary t- uh, telling me he was in, uh, I think it was Nashville, or was, and there was a big uh, uh, party there, and there was all kinds of um, uh, celebrities and uh, a, a bunch of uh, people who had recorded with Elvis. I remember he, he was telling me that uh, the girl who was uh, singing the high parts in uh, Blue Christmas was, uh, I think she was sitting there right next to him. And I think DJ was there as well. And uh, one of the, one of the guys that was emceeing the whole thing was Red Robinson. Actually, I was going to ask you, Ed, we're just about to play the Elvis tapes in honor of DJ Fontana. Rest in peace, DJ Fontana. And during the course of this interview with Elvis, it seems to be a press conference and it almost seems like it's recorded in Seattle. Like, I think Elvis says, or the reporter says, last night in Vancouver. What happened there? Oh, I don't know. Uh, most of that, uh, most of that uh, uh, interview was was in Vancouver. Uh, would have been uh, it, that was at the old Empire Stadium, and would have been in the locker rooms uh, after it was done. Um, I don't remember any uh, reference like that. Uh, although uh, perhaps part of it might have been uh, uh, done the, ne- the next day. So here we go, the Elvis tapes on CITR Radio. And thank you very much, Eddie Lasco, for phoning in and remembering DJ Fontana, rest in peace, from August the 1st, 2003. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you very much for having me, uh, Nardwar. Remember, um, what was it, uh, the last couple of years when there were all these rumors about DJ dying? No, I didn't know that. Oh, did you? I, th- I thought we were talking about it one time that uh, uh, I heard a rumor that he had died, and, and I th- I thought you were the guy that set me straight and said, no, 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 he's still with us. But anyway, uh, yeah, like you say, rest in peace, DJ Fontana. And thank you very much, Ed. Keep on rocking in the free world, and doot-doo-loot-doo. My name is Red Robinson. I was the master of ceremonies for the Elvis Presley appearance in Vancouver on August 31st, 1957. What you're about to hear is the total unedited press conference that took place in a dressing room at Empire Stadium in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. The dressing room was normally used by a professional football club. Empire Stadium, three years prior to Elvis Presley's appearance, was the site of the 1954 British Empire Games where John Landy and Roger Bannister ran the four-minute Miracle Mile in one of this century's most heralded events. A different superstar was now ready to go on stage to the joy of 25,000 fans. The stage was set up at the north end of the stadium. The box office take made his Vancouver appearance the biggest of the 1957 tour. Come with me now backstage with Elvis Presley. He's 22 years of age. Elvis is sitting in a crouched position on top of a large table with the press immediately in front of him with microphones and cameras. Elvis had been carefully positioned in such a way that he could look over the shoulders of the newsman and myself to Colonel Tom Parker in the back of the room. Whenever Elvis had difficulty with a question, he would look in the direction of the colonel for a signal as how to answer it. Here now is the total and original press conference. Speaking of records, have you got any uh, that are coming out? 
have recorded that we haven't done yet? Yes, uh, the theme song for my next picture will be out about the middle of the next month. What is the picture? Jailhouse Rock. That's a single 45. Yes. How did you find Hal Wallace as a producer director? He's a very, very, very fine gentleman. Did he help you out, or who was the big help and aid in your show loving you? Well, there's nobody who helps you out. They have a director and a producer. And just, uh, as far as the acting and as far as singing and all, you let your own your own. I mean, nobody tells you how to do that. You have to learn it yourself. How do you rate yourself as an actor? Pretty bad. I mean, I don't know. Uh, that's something you learn through experience. I, I, I think that well, maybe I might accomplish something at it through the years. You think it's just the sake of uh, acting natural? Don't you do that in your last two pictures? I'd say you have. Uh, in, uh, in some scenes, I was pretty natural. In others, I was trying to act. And when you start trying to act, you're dead. Would you say that Jordan Ayers helped you a lot in your, in your career with your songs, backing you up? Well, uh, I mean, do you think the assist the boys have done a, they have done a very fine job, the Jordanaires have, but actually there's a lot of groups, you know, there's a lot of very fine groups that back different people up on their records. They are under contract with Capital, are they not? Yes. I know you're under terrific strain after a show. How do you, how do you taper down? What relaxes your nerves after a big show like tonight? Well, uh, take for instance, last night we had a show in Vancouver and uh, uh, I, didn't, I didn't sleep in it till about 10 o'clock today. I just, uh, I get all keyed up, and, I, and it's, it's tough to relax. What do you do before a show to, uh, to help defer some of the excitement for the tension? I just walk around and swallow and <laughs> <laughs> clench my fist. Yes, sir. Pay for that guitar. Uh, what was the question? A guitar. A guitar. How much you pay for the guitar? What did you pay for About, your guitar? About uh, $500, I think. Yes. Well, it was specially constructed or no, it's a standard guitar. I have a leather cover over it. I had that, I had that made. Ladies, next. Uh, do you find that touring is much more harder on you than making movies or doing TV shows? Well, touring is the roughest part. It, 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 uh, it's really rough because, I mean, you're in a town and you do a show, you come off, you're riding a car, you're going to the next town. Would you prefer it uh, more to uh, making movies or, and doing TV, or would you rather just stick to movies and records? Well, uh, I think every performer likes to work to a live audience. How's the Pacific Northwest struck you? What you've uh, seen of it and performed? Oh, it's, 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 it's terrific. It, it's 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 really it's really it's really beautiful country up here. How's the weather down in Memphis when you left? Or were you in Memphis before coming yes, to the Northwest? Yes, I was. I was home. Uh, it was beautiful weather. I was. The Why did you have the Great Northern train stop two miles out of town today and get and get <laughs> off there? And <laughs> the train stop. Sorry, two miles great. Out of town. That's Planning. Well, you usually I can't. That's right. I can't get in. <laughs> uh, see, I, I I have to prepare for a show that night. And uh, not only that he wants to be around for it, right? Yes. <laughs> and, and and therefore I I I have to rest and and we have rehearsals. So in the afternoon. So I don't have too much time. I'm actually pressed for time. It's not, that I, it's not that I'm trying to avoid them, because that's certainly not it. It's just that I, I'm rushed for time, and I, I have to make every, every, every moment count when I'm on the road. You can make faster time into town in your Cadillac than you can by in the train? I beg your pardon? You can make faster time into town on your Cadillac than you can by train? 
Well, actually, you're trying to trap me now. I don't know what to say. Uh, next. <laughs> Everybody stops all of a sudden. Have you ever been thrown by a question, uh, Elvis? You've been through a lot of interviews. What, what question do you uh, dislike the most? I don't know. Like I said, I've been asked everything. Uh, if, 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 the, if, they're, if they're too rough... If they're too rough? If, if they're too rough, I just, I just I can't answer them. How do you feel about being asked questions about your personal life? Do you think an entertainer should be uh, uh, asked myriad questions about marriage and what girls are doing with and so forth? How does that strike you personally? Well, let's face the facts. Uh, any, any, anybody that's in, in the public eye, is uh, uh, their life is never private. I mean, everything you do, the public knows about it, and that's the way it's always been, that's the way it'll always be. Elvis, you've been on the road for a long, long time, and it's about time you had a nice big rest because you deserve it. Where would you like to go for a holiday somewhere? Africa. <laughs> Why? You find no, the line? I, 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 I don't know. I, I, uh, there's a lot of places that I would like to go. Have you considered a holiday? I mean, you've been on the go for, what, two years now? Just about? About a year and a half. About four years. I four think. years? Yes. Well, this, is, this uh, throws a different light on things altogether. What happened four years ago? Did you get your start four years ago? Yes. Where? In Memphis. Is that when the first record came out? Yeah. What was it? That's All Right Mama or something else? Yeah, that, that's the name of it. Uh, no, uh, actually, actually, I wasn't I wasn't known at all until Colonel Parker started managing me, you see, and, and I got on RCA Victor and and on television, and, uh, no, and then I started being known. Before that time, you were recording on the Sun label for yes. Sam Phillips down in Memphis? Yes, sir. I, I was known in certain sections, you know, and, but I wasn't known all over. Was... Uh, the record, was it Dewey that played the first one? Is he related to the other Phillips in any way? No, they're not, they're, they're no kin. No, Just a coincidence. No. He says he was the first one to play, <laughs> I don't know. You want to go abroad someday? Beg your pardon? You want to go overseas someday? Yes, I, I would like to, I would like to. That yep. wasn't me, folks, it's these guys clashing these mics. <laughs> Sword fighting. What are your thoughts on permanent retirement? I'd like to. <laughs> so voluntary. On your own free will. Retirement? Yeah. What do, what do you think about it? Just quitting. Well, <laughs> when? I, well, I'll put it like this. I, I'll never quit as long as I'm doing okay. You'll never quit as long. What do you consider doing okay? Well, I mean, as long as you're, as a public, as long as you're pleasing the people, you'd be foolish to quit. Elvis, we're running a marathon right after this interview here tonight from uh, 11 until whatever time it takes tomorrow morning. Would you like to say something to everybody out there tonight listening into the show? Would you like to say, uh, to look for your new release or anything? Just say hi to them all? I sure would. And I, I, I'd like to tell everybody, uh, uh, to see Jill, I was right. Sure. Sure. Well, that's good. No, I would like to tell everybody uh, how very much I appreciate uh, them listening to, to, to my records and everything. Well, I can say and this I, much. I, I'll do my best to, uh, to continue to please them and put out songs and movies that they like. Well, thank you very best. kindly. Elvis. Uh, when you get caught in a mob or something, uh, have you ever been seriously hurt by the girls? Yes, I've been, uh, I've been uh, scratched and bitten and everything. <laughs> huh? What do you think about it? What do you think about being scratched? What do I think? Of, well, uh, I just, I just, <laughs> I just accept it with a broad mind because actually they don't intend to hurt you. I mean, it's not that. They just, they want, they want pieces of you for souvenirs. <laughs> Elvis, you got a crowd out here tonight. What do you consider your best crowd, your best show that you've ever had? I mean, every entertainer feels like, well, in this town here, I had a terrific time and everybody was wonderful. What do you consider your favorite place? Well, uh. 
I have no favorite plays. No, but the one that stands uh, out in your memory, shall we say? Probably the, <clears throat> uh, the biggest crowd was in Dallas, Texas last year. Was that a good I, crowd? Yes, I played the Cotton Bowl. I had uh, 32,000 people there. Wow. What is that stone in the beautiful ring on your left hand? That's a uh, star sapphire. There was a girl who gave that to me in California. Uh, a, a crowd of people can hurt you and not even realize they're doing it, you know. Well, well, you haven't much of a private life right now, then, have you? No, sir, I haven't. Well, where do you go for a quiet cup of coffee nowadays? I, uh, uh, when I'm traveling around, I don't go anywhere. I just, I just, uh, eat in a room. When do you head out to the Army, Elvis? The Army? Yeah, are you going into the Army? Your military service? I haven't, service? I haven't heard from them. I don't know. You, you haven't heard anything from them no, at all? I haven't. So you weren't linked to Confidential Magazine, but what do you think of the Confidential <laughs> Magazine trial? Well, I don't know what to think about it. It's, uh... Uh, just so I don't get involved in it, that's all I worry about. It doesn't matter much. How do you like the motion picture field, Elvis? I think it's great. It's, in fact, uh, I like it better than any phase of the business other than the, other than the uh, public appearances. You'd rather uh, be in movies than sing, shall we say? Well, I, no, I'm not going to say that. You, you don't want to commit yourself there, eh? No, because... Why don't we see more of you on television, seeing that you can command to such big fees? Uh... <laughs> big audience. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I guess Colonel Parker could probably answer that if he's here. He's not well, here, we'll is he? speak to him later, Elvis. Uh, and uh, what about your trip? What's your reaction been of girls across different sections of the country? Are they all the same? Well, crowds of uh, young people are, are pretty well the same all over the country, I find out. Well, Canadians are supposed to be a little more subdued. Have you found that with Canadian girls? <laughs> don't you get tired of newsmen and uh, cameramen all the time, Elvis? No, I don't mind them. No, really? <laughs> Do the uh, rock and roll craze is dying, Elvis? No, sir, I don't think it's dying. Uh, I'm, not saying it, I'm not saying that it won't die out, but I don't think it is right now. Elvis, who would you say is responsible for your uh, greatest success in uh, the music field? I mean, uh, getting your big start away. Where did you get your start? Was it in Western music that you got your start? How did Hank Snow fit into the picture if he did? Well, uh, at the time that I started singing, Colonel Tom Parker was managing Hank Snow. I see. And uh, that's how we got connected. Uh, I don't know why Hank and my name were, were linked together so much, because actually we wasn't uh, connected in any way in business. You... I, I, ju I just worked on some of Hank's uh, uh, personal appearances. Do you know his son? At all? Yeah, Jimmy Rogers Snow, yes. Yeah, did you ever pal around with him or anything? Yes, yes, quite a bit. Did you go to school with him down in Memphis? No, I never went to school. You know Dewey Phillips down in Memphis? Very well. He said to say hello to you. I talked to him on the phone this afternoon. Good deal. Elvis, is your first love Western music? No, sir, it's not. My, uh, my first, I would say, would be, uh, spiritual music. Like Peace in the Valley and that. Not exactly that. I mean, uh, some of the old uh, colored spirituals, you know, from years back. Elvis, uh, your I, actions make quite a reaction to the audience. What is your opinion of the audience? What is my appearance of... Uh, uh, would you say that again? What is your opinion, <laughs> <laughs> your what is your opinion of, the of the people who... Oh, are... opinion of, uh, of the audience. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would make a... <laughs> it would look pretty funny out there without one, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, actually, uh, I suppose you're talking about all the, all the yelling and everything. Actually, uh, actually, it's good because it covers up my mistakes, you <laughs> see. I mean, <laughs> well, so you, whenever I hit a sour note, well, nobody knows it but me.
What's this new flame? Anita, is it? Anita Wood. Anita Wood. Well, she's, uh... Uh -huh. she, she's what, Elvis? <laughs> <laughs> oh, incidentally, she won a beauty contest last night where she gets a seven-year contract for, uh, for Paramount Pictures. She called me last night. Well, we're firing questions right and left here. Let me fire one at you. If everything folded up tomorrow, which it isn't going to by looks of things, what would you do? What, what would you Go do? Go back to driving a truck. You like driving a truck? <laughs> no, I, I don't know what I would do. That's, uh... That's, uh counting your chickens before they hatch. I, I actually, I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to become a, you know, I'd like to learn a lot about acting. Who's your favorite actor on the screen, Elvis? I have quite a few. Uh, How about James Dean? Did you like him? Yes. You yes. really did. And uh, Ewell Brenner and Marlon Brando and, well, quite a few of them. Any plans I, uh, for more motion pictures? Yes, I have, uh, I, have, I have contracts for about eight more. What about TV appearances? We don't see you too often on TV, except on the Ed Sullivan Show occasionally. Well, I have no control over that, you see. I have an agent, uh, a manager that, uh, that takes care of that for me. I, I don't even know. Are you happier now, or were you happier when you were driving a truck and could have a quiet cup of coffee? Well, I'm happier now in, in a lot of ways. And in some ways, I mean, I was having a lot of fun then, you know. What do you think of TV? I mean, compared to the movies, you worked in both of them. What do you think of TV? I mean, uh, not that uh, we're slamming. I, 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 just I like movies better than I do TV work. Because you've got more time to uh, yeah, well, do things right? If you goof on, on movies, you can just go back and take it over. In TV, you just goof. <laughs> I see what you mean. There's no uh, time to uh, repair the mistakes. There's no going back and taking it over. That's right. Elvis, how are you fixed for the future? I know the contract for Victor is good. What are your plans in the future? Well... I have quite a few things. I've got, I have uh, two music firms, and then I have, uh, like I said, uh, a seven-year contract with Paramount Pictures, whereas uh, each year it, it uh, amounts to more money. When, uh, when you see uh, things sold on the street, some of them saying, I like Elvis, and others saying other things, uh, do you get money for Elvis. each time? <laughs> <laughs> do you get a percentage when they sell an I hate Elvis button? To be truthful, I, I, I really don't know. Hard to keep track. Yes, it, it is. Uh, I, I don't. I, I, in fact, I don't know who sells. I hate Elvis buttons. <laughs> well, it's the same man who sells the I like. <laughs> hey, Elvis, you come in. For He's a, a communist. <laughs> you come in for a lot of criticism on your uh, wiggling on the stage, and some people have called it suggestive. Uh, do you mean it to be suggestive? No, I, I've I've never thought of it as being suggestive. It's just. Well, that's uh, just, uh, just my way of expressing the song. That's uh, you seem to be popular enough on your singing and appearance alone. Uh, would you stop the wiggling if criticism grew too fast? No, sir, I can't. It's because, part uh, of you. It's toning it down. Like uh, two songs are called uh, Love Me, Tender, Love Me, they're kind of quiet. Well, uh, uh, to be truthful, I, I can't do ballads uh, nearly as well as I can the other kind because I don't have a voice for it. Do you think uh, disc jockeys uh, made you? Uh, definitely, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, well, if it, disc jockeys didn't play it, the people couldn't hear it, so they wouldn't know what, what was happening, you know. So, uh... Who are some of your favorites? I contributed to a little bit of everything. I contributed to, largely to the people that have accepted me, and, and then the disc jockeys and, and, uh, and the good handling that I've had, the management and everything. Getting back to religious songs, if uh, you could put an album out, say a, an extended play, what songs would you put on it? I mean, have you ever considered any of them? Some of the ones you maybe know? Are you talking about religious? Religious songs, songs yes. Oh, I, I know practically every religious song that's ever been uh, written. 
Is that right? Yes. What do you think of Pat Boone? I think he's undoubtedly the finest voice out now. <laughs> 